Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. We're going to talk tonight in part two on the the redeeming power of Jesus. And we're going to take it from Luke 4, and I'm going to be sharing some things with you. Now, I'll get us back up to date from Sunday. We didn't get real far on Sunday because in the middle of it, I just felt like we needed to call people forward and pray for people, you know, when it says Jesus will heal the brokenhearted. I don't know if you sensed what I did. You know, I can't tell what people sitting out there sense and feel and you know, I, I, I don't know. But I can tell you this, from here where I stood in front of those people, I just had such compassion. The hurt, the pain, it was, it was so evident. It was there. But I tell you this, I don't believe they left in the same way that they came in. And it was amazing. I had people telling me, um, you know, I had... Uh, Uh, or a person, they didn't tell me themselves, but someone else said their 18-year-old son had passed away. Another had a 12-year-old son that had passed away. Others, you know, just terrible situations. But this was their Sunday for God to minister, and we were a part of that. Isn't it wonderful that we can be a part of that? I I feel uh, blessed that God would use me, and I know you do too, to minister to people. It's so important. And you know, I've heard people say out of Luke 4 that Luke 4 um, is all about salvation. Do I think Luke 4, 18 and those scriptures in there are about salvation? I definitely do. But I do not believe that's all it's about. And I've heard people say, that's it. It's not really for people who've had their hearts broken. This is just the brokenness of sin and all of that. I do believe that that's a part of it, but I do not believe that that's all of it. I believe that when Jesus came, He manifested the will of the Father, and He showed us what He would do. And He went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And we looked at that on Sunday morning, didn't we? He was anointed by God to set people free, and He did that. And so I believe He's still doing it today. And I believe that He ministered that on Sunday morning to many people who came forward during that service. But now I'm going to tell you, Jesus, He said it. And He spoke to the people that were there when He ascended into heaven. And He said, I'm going. But the Holy Spirit is coming. And the Holy Spirit is going to bring that anointing power upon you. And you're going to go forth all over the world. And when you go forth, you're going to take the good news of the gospel. And when you go forth, you're going to tell people that Jesus is a giver of salvation and eternal life. And he is a giver of healing power. And he restores people that are brokenhearted. He lets the oppressed go free. That's what Jesus does. And he's working through us. And that's what we need to be telling people. 
We can be around people all the time. We can see them suffering. We can see them going through difficult times. And we can hold our peace. But I can tell you, that's not the Lord. If you don't have the right opportunity, you pray. And God will either give you the opportunity or He'll give it to someone else. But as you pray, He'll do one or the other. Now, I believe that. I really do because we are trusting and believing God to do something in their life. Have you ever seen a time where people are more broken and more hurt, hurting and more needy? Have you ever seen a time? I haven't. I have not. And we've been in ministry a long time here. And of course, we ministered in other churches in different capacities, not as the pastor, but in ministry positions. And so you know what's going on with people. And I have never seen a time like now. And that lines up with Isaiah 60, which says, in the last days, there's going to be gross darkness on the people. There's going to be darkness in the land and gross darkness on the people. And that word gross darkness has to do with severe mental depression is going to be on the people. And what does he say to do? You arise and shine with the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Now, I want to tell you something. You are anointed. Say that with me. Say, I am anointed. Let's say it again. I am anointed. Now, I do not have the anointing that you have upon your life. And you don't have the anointing that I have upon my life. So the anointing of God does not look the same. But that's a word that we uh, can, if we're not careful, in these days of seeker-sensitive churches, we can take the anointing and we can carefully just tuck that away somewhere because people don't understand it. We have people here. I mean, we had that. Holy Ghost meeting, and I'm telling you, God just showed up and He was doing some things in the room. And there were people here and they didn't understand it and it was kind of scary to them. Somebody had to, you know, they had to uh, explain it. Be, be mindful to do that. If you bring someone to church or you know you're sitting around someone and they don't fully understand it, you know, be mindful to do that. But you know what? We do not let that stop us because we're in our house. This is the house that God gave us to worship in. So we don't back up and we don't apologize. Now, I don't try to do things to offend people or when they don't understand, just run over them uh, with uh, the truths I know. That, that's not very uh, gentle in spirit. You know, you don't slap everybody around with the Bible. But you can still, you can still minister under the unction and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thus saith the Lord, I'm anointed of God and I've come here to set you free. What's that? <laughs> I might do that here. <laughs> But you know, when you get in certain settings, you don't have to tell everybody that you're anointed. And you don't have to tell everybody all the details. Tell them enough. You know, Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He provided for you. 
you know, the things that you need if they're going through difficulty financially and their family is hurting. You know, there's things that we can tell them that can help them. Now, you can't just snap your fingers and it be done. You can tell them the truth and they've got to buy into it. They've got to latch on to it. They've got to hold on to it and it will change their lives in the same way it has changed mine and your lives. And you know, one thing about truth that I found that we can receive certain parts of the truth and not receive other parts. Not maybe because we're being belligerent, but maybe we're not ready, or maybe it's just something that we're not familiar with. And so, you know, it's easy for us to latch on to one part and not the other. So you got to be patient with people too. You have to be patient. Amen. Well, okay. Let's go forward. All right. Um, I'm going to... Uh, start with Luke 4, 6 out of the Good News Bible. And Luke 4, 18, I want you to look and see what took place in Jesus' life and ministry. In Luke 4, at the beginning, he went into the wilderness and he was in a time of prayer and fasting, 40 days actually, and he pulled away with God and it was very intense when he pulled away. And in Luke 4, 6, it says from Satan, the devil is talking to Jesus here. All this power and all this wealth has been handed over to me. Who handed the wealth over to the devil? Adam did it. In the garden, Adam did it. And he said, it's been handed over to me and it's mine. All this power and all this wealth. Now, this has to do with the world system. I really believe that. You know, God made the earth. And he said, the earth is mine. So we're not talking about so much the real estate. We're talking about the system. And Satan said, this system has been given to me. And I have the power and I have the wealth. And he said, I can give it to anyone I choose. Now, I want you to notice that right now. I could get stuck here for a little while. And enough to say it. Do you ever wonder why certain people that are ungodly, that don't serve the Lord, that don't give anything toward the kingdom, that really don't care about people, they may even hurt people, do things to climb that ladder to get to where they are? Have you ever wondered why they get wealth and how, why they get power? Could it be that it's given to them by the enemy? I don't know. It's a thought, isn't it? But you see, in the same way, God gives you power. He gives you authority. Because you came into Jesus, Jesus defeated the devil... And so now, you're in this world, but you're not of it. But you operate on principles that are so far above the satanic realm. You do. You don't have to go around shouting about the power you have over the devil. You just take it. You just walk in it. You don't brag about it. You just take your authority. You stand your ground. And having done all to stand, you stand. Amen? 
So here we see Jesus is going through all this. But when Satan said this to Jesus, he said, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So he learned how to overcome these tests that he was experiencing through it is written. It is written. Because that is the most powerful thing. When you're going through a storm, when you're going through a battle, what should you do? It is written. And sometimes you can do that and you feel like it's got the power of a wilted flower. If you know what I'm talking about. You, would, you might not feel the power. It doesn't matter because I'm going to tell you when you're going through difficulties, you can't trust your feelings. So when you feel powerless, you say it is written, that releases the power. Do you hear me? Yes. It releases the power. So we need to learn, we need to learn that. Amen? There have been times that I, uh, you know, have been uh, in, in an accident or something like that, and I would just start uh, saying, in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And I would just start saying the name of Jesus. If I had to say it over and over again, I would. And I can tell you one time, Eddie and I <clears throat> were out, and we have this thing, I don't know, we're not as bad as we used to be, because maybe I don't know if we got any sense or what. But, but anyway, we, if it would snow and ice and whatever, we would just decide, it's time to go have breakfast. <laughs> I don't know why we couldn't do that when it wasn't snowing and icing, do you? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, so we got out one day, one morning, and we, we had just started the church, actually, at not, you know, probably maybe a year into it or something like that. And so we were driving down the road, and I'm telling you, our car just began to spin. And so Eddie and I both, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to tell you, I don't know how, but we didn't go down into a ditch. We didn't go off the road. We, that car straightened up, and we were able to get to where we were going. Well, it would have happened anyway. It wouldn't have mattered if you... Well, that's what you say. That is not what I say. I say, my God delivered me because there's power in the name of Jesus. You've got to put faith in something. Oh, I don't believe that stuff. Well, hang around me for a little while and some of these people here and you'll change your tune. Is that right, congregation? All right. So, after the time of praying and fasting in Luke 4, Jesus returned, the Bible said. After that big test, out of, after the time of prayer and fasting and pulling away, that he returned in the power of the Spirit, and he went to Galilee. Now, Galilee, and that area there, and he boldly stood and proclaimed Isaiah 61, which is Luke 4.18 that we're going to read about in a minute. And he boldly proclaimed that. Now, he went to Nazareth. That's where he was in the synagogue, right there. But the thing about it is he had been in Capernaum. And there he had seen mighty miracles. And there had been this uh, a mighty roar of, you know, people talking and what Jesus was doing and what was going on in his ministry. 
And so it followed him into Nazareth. But there, you know, that's the place where he couldn't do mighty works. That was his hometown. You remember that? It was his hometown. And they wouldn't accept him. And you know, it's still the same today. People don't want to accept someone that's the home boy or girl. They, they don't want to accept them. I don't know why that is. I, you know, I don't know if it's a jealousy, but you would think that people that know you, they would be on your side, that they would want to see some good things happen. But maybe it is they can't believe that God would use you because you're so human, because you're just like they are, and they don't understand that. Well, why does God use them when they did this and they acted that way, and he won't use me? And I tell you what it is. You can, you can have all kinds of issues going on in your life as long as you're struggling over those things to overcome them. It's when you give in to them and when you just say, well, God's grace is here and he doesn't care. He loves me and he accepts me anyway. You are on a slippery slope. You are on a slippery slope. You cannot presume on the grace of God. And you know that, don't you? All right. So Jesus then went uh, uh, into uh, the synagogue there in Nazareth. And let's just read here in verse number 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, Luke 4, as his custom was. See, he had a custom of going to the synagogue. We need to have a custom of going to church. Did you know that? It doesn't matter that the world will tell you, you don't need church. Even Christians will tell you, you don't need to go to church. You can do just fine being at home. You love God and that's all you need to do. No, church is not our idea, it's God's idea. You need to get together with believers. That is important. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. You need to have your own company. What is your own company? Your own company is a group of people that love the Lord, that want to know Him through the Scripture, that want to worship together, serve God's people and serve the people that they come in contact with. They have needs and they work together for the good of the kingdom. Everybody needs their own company. That's what we are, isn't it? We have our own company here. There may be people in here tonight. If God wants you here, you're a part of our company. It's just you have to make that decision that you say yes to the Lord for that. We can't do it. Now, we can open our arms to receive you, but we can't, you know, there's, you have to make your own decisions with that. Okay. So his custom was that he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and the, they evidently asked him to read, and so he stood up. You know, when they would read the scripture, they would stand up in the synagogue. And then when they finished it, they would talk more, but then they would sit down. They would sit while they talked. And, uh, but stand up for the reading of the word. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place wherein it was written. Now, I talked a little bit about this on Sunday. He had a scroll. And the scroll uh, to find uh, Isaiah 61, which he was, you know, going to read, 
He knew where that was, and he found it. He found the place. It's just like us in our Bible. You know, we get it marked. We know where certain things are because we study it, we read it. Maybe not everybody, but you're working on that, and one day that's where you'll be. I believe that. But so he found it, and he stood up to read, and he said, and there was uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus' bold proclamation there in the middle of these religious people. I tell you, I've never seen religious devils and and the meanness that they can function and operate. I've never seen anything like it. You can take people, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about religious people, not the people that know Jesus. Some of the most hateful, unkind, ugliest people that I have known have come out of a a religious setting, but they really did not know Jesus and they did not understand who Jesus was. They really didn't. I can remember uh, we had a a Bible study, uh, and it was a group of friends, and it was like eight of us, I think. And in that Bible study, we would meet in my home and Eddie's home, and then we would meet at someone else's. Opening up your home is very good for people to come in and study the Bible and pray. It's very, very important. Oh, well, I don't have people in my house. Well, you need to change. Well, you need to, uh, you know, just mind your own business. No. Uh, you know what people call me? Pastor Nora. You know what that means? I have responsibility before God, and I don't take that lightly. You, you do. You need to do it. Well, I did that once, and, you know, uh, people got in there and started doing flaky things, and uh, I couldn't get them out of my house when the meeting was over. Welcome to charismatic Christianity. <laughs> And if you've done that very much, you know what I'm saying is true. But you know what? I don't have any trouble. Be diplomatic. But, you know, you just say, well, you know, I really appreciate everybody coming over tonight. I'm not talking about being rude and unmannerly. I'm just saying, you know, really have appreciated everybody coming over. Happen we had a good time, and I look forward to next time. You know, I know everybody's got to go to work. So there's a way to do it. There is a way to do it. Now, could, would you get the message if I said that? Would you get it? Yeah. And if people start doing flaky stuff, you know what you do? You chill it, pull it down, and after it's over, if it's need be, happened one or two or more times, and you talk to those people in private and say, you know, I'm just a little concerned about that. Can you tell me what you're, you know, you're trying to do? Let me teach you a little bit. See, that's that mother thing. Okay, I don't know why I'm getting on all that, but it is worth saying, don't you think? Because people don't, they don't, they don't know. And, and you know, I could, we've been in all kinds of situations, but I was telling you about the Bible study that we were in. I am telling you, I've never seen such ugliness out of people in a denomination 
uh, uh, you know, religious belief. I've never seen it. It's just so ugly. And, and I was, you know, I was uh, from Independent Baptist. I, you know, so I knew what that was and I knew that it could be that real hard, harsh, you know, bless God, you just better get with it. You're going to hell, you know. Now, maybe you know where I get some of this stuff. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, no. I've got the love of Jesus in me. But, but honestly, in the churches that I was in, that didn't happen. It wasn't that way. Uh, they were not um, hard and hard-hearted and unkind to people. It, it wasn't that. And even the ones that were that way, they probably really loved Jesus. They just didn't know how to allow ministry to come forth without that, you know, Bible-thumping thing going on. But anyway, especially one couple, they were Bible-thumpers. I'm telling you. We started reading the Bible and getting into the book of Acts and all of that, and it's like, you know... Faces drain. We just don't believe that. We don't believe it. And you know what we said? Well, we believe it because it's in the Bible. We see it in the Bible. And see, we had to stand up. That, those were our friends. We could have said, well, okay, you know, you're a friend, so we'll just go along with you. But no, we didn't. We said, well, I'm sorry. This is what we believe, and this is the way that we are going. Now... I look back on the people's lives, and I don't say it with any kind of pleasure, but their life has always been a mess. Always been a mess. It was then, and it, if they're still alive, I don't, I don't know that, but it, as much as I ever knew, it was a mess. So we had to make a stand, and we had to stand by ourselves, and we didn't have friends for a little while. And it gets lonely, but you know what? It's not that way anymore, and it didn't stay that way long. God can bring the right companions into your life, and you can serve God together. That's why the company, you know, there's a place to connect in this body. Amen? All right. <clears throat> so, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus talking, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. Now, this was Jesus that was anointed to preach the gospel. And now he's given us the anointing of God to preach the gospel as well. You say, well, I'm not really a preacher. Well, I understand that everybody is not a preacher. But really, everybody is an ambassador. Everybody is a representative. Ambassadors speak up. For the place they serve. They speak up. And so that's what we do. We speak up. We need to pray and ask God to give us boldness. You know, before I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I had no boldness. None. After I got filled with the Holy Spirit, my goodness, what happened? <laughs> I had an infusion of boldness. The power to witness. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you get the power to be a witness, a power to produce evidence. That's really what that means. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we producing any evidence? Sometimes maybe so, sometimes maybe not. Wherever we are, be stirred up in us again, fresh and new. Amen? 
So he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, who are the poor? Now, see, by some, uh, some people's teaching, this poor would have only to do with the spiritually bankrupt. And do I believe that? Yes, most definitely. I believe those who are needy spiritually, who need the Lord, I believe that Jesus came to preach to the poor. The good news. The glad tidings to the poor. But now, it's not the, the only poor. The poor also means those that don't have anything. The beggarly. Those that, you know, are without. And they're struggling through life. There's the good news that Jesus brings the gospel to those who are poor. Now, I said this Sunday, and I'm going to repeat it. And how come I'm not getting very far tonight? <laughs> Happens all the time, doesn't it? But anyway... What we have done with religion in some denominations, we have taken the social gospel and we're going to dig them a well. We're going to, uh, you know, we're going to bring education into their area. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Is any of that bad? No. That is good. That is positive. But if you do that and you exclude preaching to those people the gospel, you are robbing them, and you're going to make a dependent upon people. But they need to be dependent upon the Lord. Jesus preached the gospel to the poor. And see, that's what we've done in our society. In our society... Hopefully, you know, some of it is changing. Hopefully. But we've had a society, well, I don't know though, when they say over 50% of America gets a check from the government. I don't know. You make people dependent upon you. The government is not God. And we cannot do that. The church cannot do that. The church has to preach the gospel. They're twins. You preach the gospel and you help the poor. But you help them mainly through the gospel. And then you can do things. You know, it's not be warm, be filled, and you don't do anything for them. You know, that's not the gospel. You do something to help them. If they need clothing or, you know, they need food, you know, you do what you can to help them. But you've got to have the gospel uh, connected to that and partnered up with that for, to get the results that Jesus wants people to have. Amen. Okay, then it goes on to say, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And, you know, that's what we did Sunday. We ministered to the brokenhearted. You, you remember that. And it's so precious when you see Jesus touch a life, see his anointing come upon people, the anointing destroys the yoke. It's not the eloquence of the speaker. 
It's not the education of the speaker, and there's nothing wrong with either one of those things. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I tell you, and this is the truth. I've seen people that are, I'm not trying to be mean, but ignorant and unlearned, and they couldn't maybe half speak, and I've seen God use them. Well, that's what the, you know, the Bible talks about, the simplicity of the gospel and, you know, people don't understand and, you know, when something like that happens. I remember the first time that I ever knew what the anointing was. Have you ever, y'all ever heard of Brother Knatzer out of Dallas? Anybody heard about him? Well, this has been many years ago. It would have been in the uh, 78, somewhere 80, something, something like that. But that man, all he had to do, now he was, uh, he reminded me a lot of T.L. Lowry. He, he carried himself that way. But I remember that uh, we were in this meeting and he, he just opened his mouth and began to speak. And it's like, my God, what is that? It's so different. He doesn't, he doesn't sound like anyone else that I know. And it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was upon his life. And through that, God worked mighty miracles through that man's life. It, it was just amazing to me. Great, great man of God. Now, I don't know every doctrine that he believed or whatever. I think he was a spirit-filled Baptist, so... There'd probably be some things in there that I might not agree with, but he was anointed by God. Jesus was anointed to God, by God, and he healed the brokenhearted. Those that had been crushed by the circumstances of life, Jesus wanted them to be healed. Amen. And then it goes on to say, uh, to preach deliverance to the captives. That's very important. I want to just talk about that for just a minute. Um, preaching deliverance to the captives in our day is so important because I, like I told you a minute, I've never seen a time that there's so many needs and there's so many things going on. If you think about the drug epidemics, I mean, every one of us probably in our families have been touched in some ways by people who are hooked on drugs, prescription pain pills, you know, or illegal drugs, whatever the case may be. But people are captive. What does captive mean? Captive means that they're in a prison house. And they cannot open the door and they cannot come out. But guess who has the keys? We have the keys through Jesus Christ and through His Word. We have keys to unlock those doors and let the people come out. It's up to them to come out when the door is open, but we can take them the truth. And if you notice here, He said, preach deliverance. Preach deliverance. Preach deliverance. And that's what you and I need to do. We need to be preachers 
of deliverance. Now, I remember, the, oh, it's been so many years ago now, that you remember there were deliverance ministries everywhere. They, you know, advertised we're going to have a deliverance service, and they would hand out paper bags to everybody. So when you came into the service and, you know, uh, you were delivered from whatever had you bound, you would just throw up in the bag. <laughs> I hope it was real sturdy, don't you? <laughs> That's horrible, isn't it? But this is something, it's not a game. Now, am I saying that nobody got help? I don't know. I don't know if they got help or not. That's between them and God. But that's not what I'm talking about. To preach deliverance to the captives. In, In our day, people have eating disorders, you know, there's rejection, spirits of rejection. There, there's spirits that make people lie and gossip. That lead them into that. You know, they can't force you to do something that you don't cooperate with, but you say yes enough, and then it gets a stronghold in your life. Amen? So there's all these things that come into our life, but you're taken captive. That means you're a prisoner of war. And Isaiah 42, 7 says, To bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in prison out of the prison house. And you know what the prison house is? It's like a dungeon. And people are enslaved in the prison house. And we as God's people have been anointed to allow them to come out. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. He's made the way. He set us free. If you're here tonight and and you've got some bondages in your life, what I'm saying to you can open up those prison doors and bring you out of that dungeon if you allow it to. Amen? People are enslaved. Uh, You know, all kinds of things they get enslaved to. But Jesus opens up the prison door. And he lets people go free. If you get into something and, you know, you don't even know how you got into it. Jesus, the preaching of the gospel, can set people free. Every week we come together in churches like this and all over, you know, the nation and even the world. And people are coming together and they've got these strongholds in their life. And they need the preaching of deliverance to take place to open up those prison doors. Amen. There's depression, uh, just all kinds of things that, that are on people that they need deliverance from. And Jesus came to open up those prison doors and release. In 2 Timothy 2.26, it says, When people get in strife, they're taken captive by who? The devil at his will. So that tells you when you enter into sin and you enter into sinful lifestyle, then you can be pulled into that and the devil takes you captive at his will. It's not ever going to be convenient when his attacks come and when he pulls the winning card on you, so to speak. In the new King James, that they might come to their senses, this is still talking about 2 Timothy 2, that they might come to their senses and escape the snare or the trap of the devil. 
Now, see, when you preach deliverance, they can escape the snare of it. Can't you just see that you're in a dark dungeon? Let's just say, you know, someone is just enslaved in their life to drugs, alcohol, you know, that kind of thing. They're enslaved and they're in that dungeon and it is so dark and they do not know how they're going to get out. And all of a sudden, there comes this little break ray of light that comes in and it's when God's people take the anointing of the Holy Spirit and begin to preach the gospel to those that are in the prison house and they can come out. You and I, we all know people that are in that situation. We need to be praying. You can't just go in and, you know, like a bull in a china shop and just, you know, go into someone's life. You got to have an entrance or a way to be able to do that. And we need to be praying for those people and praying that if it's not us, it can be us, but we have to seek God. If it's us or someone else, but that those laborers will go across their path and take the delivering power of God to people. Amen? So important. God's got a way of doing things that we don't know anything about. So Jesus sets us free through the preaching of the gospel and through the power of the blood and through the power of the name of Jesus, that wonderful, powerful name of Jesus and that powerful blood of Jesus. Those are weapons that God gives to us. I told you about the story when Eddie and I uh, and the pastor of the Baptist church that we were in, and they brought in this young man, and you talking about a captive that was in the prison house. This, this young boy, he's probably 16 or 17, I suppose, and he sniffed glue. And I'd never seen anything like it. I still haven't. I mean, that's been a lot of years ago. I still haven't seen anything like it. This young man, his mother was on one side of him and the pastor was on the other. And they were having to drag him through the doors because he could not walk. He was so out of it from sniffing paint. And we looked at him and that paint was, you know, just in his hair. It was all over his clothes. You just, I mean, it's like... And you want me to pray for him? That's the way I felt. And you can ask Eddie how he felt. We both hadn't seen anything like that before. And so we just started singing about the blood of Jesus. We didn't know what else to do, but that was enough. And we started singing, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, delivering power came in the room that night. And he went through a deliverance. I mean, he was coming out of the prison. It was not a pretty sight, but he came out of that prison that night. But before that actually happened, you know, the pastor said, okay, to me and Eddie, he said, let's take him and let's go in here in this other side room off from the area where we had our Monday night Bible study with all these young people. And they're probably, I don't know, 30, 35, 40 kids, young people, teens in there that night. We weren't much older than them. But so we took him in that little side room. And while we were in there, you know, we just began to pray. We didn't pray in the Spirit. 
we didn't pray in the Spirit. The pastor was Spirit-filled, too. But we, we didn't do that. We didn't pray in the Spirit. But I mean, we cut down and we started praying everything that we knew to pray and confessing it over that boy and pleading the blood of Jesus uh, and using the name of Jesus. We knew to do that. And I'm going to tell you, that boy was down on the ground and he was writhing like a snake during that time. I've, I saw this. And I think it was Nicaragua. I saw somebody do the same thing during an open-air crusade that we were in. But anyway, so he was doing that, and he stopped it. He stopped while we were using the name of Jesus. And he looked up at us, and he said, Can't you sing, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Why would he tell us to sing that? Because he knew that there wasn't any power in that. Now, is it a good song? Will the circle be unbroken? You know, it's got some sweetness to it. But it didn't have the power like the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. And the name of Jesus that we were using that night. But I want to tell you, the boy came out of that dungeon and prison house that the devil had him locked up in. And I mean, that was like, I've never seen anything like it since. But I believe that it can still happen today to people that are so bound up by the devil. And it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit and people loving and caring for people and seeing some things happen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.